a few weeks ago, I laid out a vision for Faith Westwood, um, and uh, that would enable us to be, I believe, a more effective disciple-making church. And I had been praying for God to, Lord, would you raise up 50 people and inspire them to say, yes, I will do, I will do my best to do one thing every day to be a blessed friend. That's what we call it, be a blessed friend. And as of right now, we have 55 uh, who've said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to give it a try. Uh, and that includes a few students and children. And uh, just so you know, I'm aiming for 100 by sometime next year. So what is a blessed friend? A blessed friend nurtures friendships with people who are still kind of finding their way back to God or who maybe don't know Jesus personally yet or may be disconnected from fellowship or worship. Uh, blessed friends nurture those bless those friendships in five ways. Uh, you see it every Sunday on the, on the banners. You see it on the back of your bulletin. Bless stands for begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, sh uh, serve in love, and share your story. Well, today I've invited all 55 and their families to join me for a lunch so that we can learn more about getting started, specifically about begin with prayer. So if you are curious about this, Maybe you weren't here or you didn't, uh, you know, hand me a card uh, a few weeks ago. But if you're curious about this, uh, I would just say come to that lunch today at noon. Come, just, just come on. Uh, it's going to be in Fellowship Hall right here. And, uh, and, and just show up. We'll have plenty. And I, I kind of wonder if that's what Jesus said when he, when he fed the 5,000. Just show up. We'll have plenty. <laughs> so anyway, let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show us our sin. Turn us around. Set us apart until we are wholly yours. Amen. Well, today and in the next several weeks, we'll be talking about befriend. You see that big word I was talking to the kids about. Uh, it's a series about how God makes real friendships happen. Uh, I remember my first friend. Um, I went to a one-room uh, country school in Saunders County, and there was only one other kindergartner besides me, and uh, his name was Terry, and we quickly became best buds. Uh, by, by second grade, uh, when the weather was warmer, our parents would let us sometimes walk home. So we'd walk home from school together, and we would just go along singing silly songs and giggling all the way home. And somewhere in the middle of elementary school, Terry and his family moved away. And I never saw him again. Isn't that something? I've never seen him since. Friendships are always changing, aren't they? Friendships are always changing, and friendships also can be quite challenging. Um, I, I'm, I've learned that every stage in life, friendship looks different. When we had kids at home, it was pretty easy, I thought, to, to make friends with our, the parents of our kids' as friends. 
you know, the kids and their activities were sort of the things that, that brought us together. Well, now it's different. And while I have friends, I find that they tend to be siloed friendships. You know what I mean? Uh, I have my, my pastor friends that I, that I meet with and pray with every month. I've got my faith group friends that I meet with every Friday at noon. There's a friendship that happens among our church staff. And there are some friends, Trisha and I, socially, we might go out to eat with them a few times a year. And those are all good friendships, but they are confined to those silos. And it's, I found it sometimes challenging to broaden those friendships beyond those silos. And, you know, whether you're a child or a student or adult, friendships, at every stage, friendships can have their challenges. So anyway, I'd like to invite up Cami uh, Schmitz and Leah Denoso. Cami um, and her family started coming to Faith Westwood all oh, six, seven years ago. And uh, uh, Leah became our, our children's ministry director um, a little over five years ago. And uh, these are great props, but they are absolutely empty, so they're not doing us any good. All right, okay. Uh, now, not everybody knows what great friends you two have become. Not only are you friends, but your families do a lot together. But I didn't know until probably about a week and a half ago that you two had a prior history. So yeah. tell us, how did you meet? Yeah. Oh, well, I, um, I was running the daycare in Fremont, and um, Cami applied for a job there 14 years ago. I was gigantically pregnant with Jameson. And um, so I hired Cami to um, come in and work like the closing shift, and she worked in the baby room. And, okay. And so she was a student at Midland at the time. All right. So. And so tell me about uh, what was your relationship like back then? What came from your side of things? Um, it was a very professional relationship. For the first six months I was there, Leah I never seen because she was on maternity leave, and then I left for the summer. Okay. So, but that relationship didn't last all that long. Uh, apparently, so tell me how how were things? How did things sort of part? What what happened? You want to tell me from your side of the story? Um, well, after I had Jalissa, I went home for the summer to spend the summer with her, mm -hmm. and I was told I would have my job when I got back. So come August, I come moving into college, and call Leah, and she's like, "Oh, just kidding. We don't really need you now." Oh, so I was wow. kind of angry. Yeah. And so, do you, do you remember that? I, I don't remember that. With all the moving pieces of daycare and the chaos at that time, I, yeah. I don't, sadly, I don't. Yeah. I just knew it didn't end well okay. when she left. I, but, yeah. Okay. So, fast forward then several years, quite a few years later, nine years later or so, uh, one Sunday you see each other here at this church. Cammie, what was your reaction? I was not really exactly happy about that. <laughs> I may have said in our small group some very not church-appropriate things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was kind of nervous about it, too. I, I saw Cammie, and I was like, I, I know things didn't end well. I don't exactly know how it ended, but... Um, 
oh no. <laughs> and so at that point, you were, when you first met, you were not on staff yet, right? What did you learn about that day? Um, I learned that Leah was one of the candidates that was chosen for the children's ministry director position. And so maybe were you maybe not really hoping she'd get the yeah. job, I imagine. I was secretly praying she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, that is amazing that from, where, from what things were then, you know, five and a half years ago to today. Yeah. And, and tell me, what, how did you, be, at least the beginning, how did you initially begin to sort of move beyond those, those tensions and the sort of the, the junk of the past? I wanted to get to know Cammie as an adult, you know, and um, we joined their small group after we'd been here for a couple months. You, you joined their small group? Yeah. Yeah, we joined their small group. Well, we had a lot in common because we would talk about my mom cooked at the daycare and Cammie loved her cooking too. And so we'd talk about my mom and we'd talk about the kids and yeah. Jameson and Jalissa got to be really good friends okay. early on. So What about from your viewpoint? How did you kind of initially move beyond what all of that passed? Well, initially when it was brought to me about like, hey, we are going to ask Brian and Leah to come to our small group, I still wasn't exactly happy about that, but I thought I should just try to give it a try and give up like the past, like uh -huh. for the angryness that I had towards her. So, for, so forgiving was kind of a process, but you were yes. willing to at least start the process. Yes. Okay. And at this point, like I had kind of forgot about that point because it was so long ago, but then after seeing her for the first time, it made all of those feelings and emotions and hurt and anger come back. So right. then, like having to forgive her for those. Yeah. So sometimes we don't realize how things are not resolved until we're sort of faced with them again and what work we have to do, yeah. So. Yes. All right. For sure. Hey, thank you both. <laughs> well, we're going to hear more from their story in the coming weeks, okay? Thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay, now what I part of what I take away from from Cammie and Leah's story uh, is that God can turn unlikely friendships into great friendships. Isn't that true? God can turn an unlikely friendship into a really great friendship. Let's open our Bibles to First uh, John chapter four, starting with verse seven. Pew Bible, you'll find it starting on page twelve hundred and thirty. And uh, if you wish you had a Bible to read at home, then uh, but you don't, then we'd like to help. Just take that Pew Bible home. You can have it and read it. Yours to keep. Now, in this letter, uh, John the Elder is writing to people who, they, they know God, they have found forgiveness through Jesus, and yet some of them aren't loving each other very well. They've got some problems here. Maybe they're holding on to resentments. Maybe one of them is still bitter against another because that other person didn't hold their job like they said they would. And these conflicts festered between them, sapping their strength like a low-grade fever. In 1 John 7, 4, 4 verse 7, uh, John says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love 
comes from God. You know God loves you, right? Now take that that you have found, that you've experienced, and turn it toward each other and love that person who disagrees with you or love that person who has hurt you. And one thing that the Bible teaches us is that real love takes the first step. I mean, that is gospel 101. When you find God, it's because God has already taken the first step toward you. So here's today's big idea. I hope you'll write it down, take it home, or snap a picture of it. Here it is. God takes the first step to love me just as I am. And the more I let myself be loved, the freer I am to love others. It all starts with God. 1 John uh, 4 verse uh, 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Again, it's saying that God takes the first step. Because that's what real love does. But God did way more than just take a step. So if you have your Bibles open, start with me in verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that last phrase, atoning sacrifice of our sins, means that Jesus laid down His life for us, and by this act of love, we are now at one with God. The word atone, you separate out the two syllables, it is at one. Atone means we are now at at one with God. Verse 11, going on. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God takes the first step, and now it's our step to follow. Now, there are other approaches if you are seeking to love and, and be loved. Uh, one way is to try to be good enough to earn that love. Uh, you know, I've heard comedians say that uh, they got into comedy and making audiences laugh because they really craved that, that feeling of acceptance. Basically, they wanted to be loved. Some athletes and actors will tell you the same thing. That's why, that's why some people go into medicine or start their own companies. That's why some people become pastors. There's a craving deep inside us that wants to be loved and accepted. And if we think, well, you know, if I just do well enough, I'll get what I crave. When my, when my daughter was in kindergarten, I was in grad school at the time, and I worked out my schedule so that when she got off the bus from half-day kindergarten, I was there to, to pick her up. And, uh, and we ate, so during that time, we ate lunch together every day. And sometimes we would pick a letter from the alphabet, and, and everything in our lunch had to start with that letter. Uh, and our favorite lunch day was pea. Uh, we ate things like pizza and peanut butter and peaches and peas and kind of strange lunch combinations, but it all worked, you know. And, but there are some other peas that aren't so good. They promise love, but in the end, they let us down. And those peas are prove, perform, perfect. If I prove myself, then I'll be loved. If I perform well enough, 
then I'll be loved. If I'm perfect enough, then I'll be loved. If I prove, perform, and, finally, and get close enough to being perfect, I'll finally get what I crave. I'll be accepted. I'll be admired. I'll, I'll belong to the group. But we're chasing a mirage. And it, and it disappears before we can actually touch it. It's never enough. The only way is to simply be loved for who we are, faults, failures, sins, and all. And the more I receive that love, the more love I have to give. God takes the first step to love me just as I am. And the more I let myself be loved, the freer I am to love others. Let's say that together, shall we? God takes the first step to love me just as I am. And the more I let myself be loved, the freer I am to love others. One time, sisters uh, Martha and Mary invite their friend Jesus over for dinner. And when he arrives, you know, Mary uh, focuses on their guest. And she does the things that a disciple does. She sits there and she, she listens to Jesus and she learns from his teaching. Um, meanwhile, older sister Martha is frantically finishing preparations for dinner. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with making dinner. She is serving and Jesus thinks it's a pretty good idea to serve. Where would we be without the Marthas of the world, Right? But on this day, there is no joy in Martha's serving. She's irritated. She's upset. She's trying to pro prove herself, perform her best, and get everything perfect for Jesus. Finally, she complains to Jesus and asks him to tell her sister to get off her dust and help her get dinner ready. And what she learns is that it's okay with Jesus if dinner's not perfect. It's okay with Jesus if dinner's not exactly on time. She learns that friendship with Jesus isn't about proving yourself or performing well enough or trying to get everything perfect. God takes the first step to love me just as I am. And the more I let myself be loved, the freer I am to love others. Now skip down to verse 19, which says it so simply and beautifully. We love, why? Because he first loved us. Says it all, doesn't it? We love because he first loved us. We're able to love because we are loved. So what does that love look like? Pastor Scott Sauls tells about a time when he was in a small prayer group and just before it started, a husband and wife walked in and he didn't know them. Somebody else in the group had invited them. And the husband, Matthew, was drunk. I mean, we could say he was drunk as a skunk, but that would give skunks a bad name, you know? At one point, Matthew decided he was going to pray. And so he started praying. 
And he went on for about 10 minutes praying, and he asked God to protect them from Klingons. You know those aliens in Star Trek, you know? And he asked God for some Jolly Ranchers, because that sounded really good right then. And when Matthew finally finished all of his praying, he said, Amen. And uh, what did the people in the prayer group do? What do you think? Well, I can tell you what they didn't do. They didn't say, how dare you come into our prayer group, you know, plastered, reeking of alcohol, you make a mockery of our holy time, babbling on about Klingons and candy. They also didn't quickly usher the couple out and then gather back together behind their backs and, you know, laugh at their expense. Instead, one of the women, not having any Jolly Ranchers on hand, offered Matthew a cookie. And while she talked with him about Klingons, the other five or six went over to the wife and explored ways that they could help. Where did these people learn to do that? Where, where did they learn to put judgment aside and love like that. I think they learned it from Jesus. I mean, that's what I believe Jesus would have done. He earned a reputation as a friend of sinners. Uh, religious leaders sometimes labeled him a drunkard probably because of who he befriended. The people in the prayer group responded in love because they, they knew they were sinners too and they, they knew how much love God had shown them. That, that's what we're talking about today. And, and so let's go back to our theme, and uh, this time we'll, we'll break it up, and you say the words in red. Let's see. Let's change it up. There we go. All right? God takes the first step. And the more I let myself be loved, Uh, just the end of that story, in, in the days that followed, uh, the people in that prayer group, they continued to love and support Matthew and his wife and their two young boys. That led to rehab for Matthew and sobriety. He became a devoted follower of Jesus and a respected leader in that church. Maybe you've been stuck in the three P's, trying to, you know, constantly trying to prove yourself and perform well enough and to try to do it all perfectly. Where has it gotten you? The Bible says, God already loves you. And this isn't any kind of casual love. This isn't, any, uh, this isn't cheap love. This is Jesus saying, yeah, I am willing to go to the cross and take your sins with me when I die. And that's how he breaks down this barrier that we've built between us and God. And that's how he breaks the chains that keep us from being able to love others freely. And I believe that for some of you today, God has been specifically preparing you for this moment, for this day. 
And some of you would like to experience that love for yourself because you know about Jesus and you believe in God, but this kind of love we're talking about is still on the outside. It's still out there somewhere. It hasn't come inside yet. Again, God takes the first step, and I believe He's already nudging you. The Holy Spirit's sort of getting your attention, and He's saying, I love you. I love you. I love you, sins and all. So now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that kind of love? Jesus has opened the door. All you have to do is walk in. So let me encourage you today, folks. Don't hold back. Don't, don't hold back. Maybe you feel like you've been holding back for quite a while, but today, don't hold back. You don't have to prove yourself or perform well enough or be, try to be perfect anymore. Because Jesus has opened the door and all you have to do is saying, is just walk in and let him love you. Let yourself be loved. I'm going to end now with a, a simple short prayer and, uh, but we're going to do it a little differently. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me phrase by phrase. So, you're ready, let's pray. And again, just, just repeat after me as we pray. Thank you, God, for taking the first step. To love me just as I am. Bring your love into my heart. I gladly give my life to you. Change me as you wish. Set me free to love others as you have loved me. Amen.